The Old Testament reading for the fourth Sunday in Lent is from the prophet Isaiah, the 42nd chapter, beginning in the 14th verse. For a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. I will lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn the rivers into islands and dry up the pools. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, in paths that they have not known, and I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. They are turned back and utterly put to shame, who trust in carved idols, who say to metal images, You are our gods. Hear you deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger whom I send, who is blind as my dedicated one, or blind as a servant of the Lord. He sees many things, but does not observe them. His ears are open, but he does not hear. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness' sake to magnify his law and make it glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading is from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, fifth verse, beginning at fifth chapter, beginning at the eighth verse. For one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, for Christ will shine on you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the ninth chapter. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man we used to sit, we used, who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. 
He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes, so the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight, until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees we do not know nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Looking back, it was just about three years ago that we found ourselves in totally unfamiliar territory. We were unable to have service at the first time, uh, for the first time, because of the coronavirus. There was a lot of fear going around. There was a, quote, lockdown. Grocery stores were empty of some of the items that seemed pretty necessary to us. We were all concerned for one another, concerned for our loved ones. Would any of us get sick from the virus? And if so, would we recover from it fully? There were a lot of ill effects from the virus. I'm sure that we all know somebody who was affected by it, maybe even who lost a loved one from the virus. The global economy has taken a huge hit. Things are still very up in the air in that regard. But we can look back over the last three years and we can see how it came to be. We can see the progression of things, where it went, where it has come to. But at the time, we were operating in the blind. And perhaps we find ourselves in similar circumstances today. Tensions continue to mount in regards to the war in Ukraine. What will happen? Will it spill over into a larger conflict? Will more countries get involved? Where will politics take us? Gender ideology, some of the other social problems that we have today. Three years ago we could not predict what would happen, what would look what things would look like two weeks from then, or a month, or a year, or even three years, as we find out. We're still just as blind as we look forward from today, as we try and figure out what's going to come next week, this afternoon, an hour from now, we don't even know. We are operating in the blind making choices, making decisions as best we can from the information that we have at the moment. We didn't ask God for COVID-19, did we? It wasn't a reward that came to us for some bad decision that we made or maybe some misstep that we took. There's nothing that you or I could have done to avoid many of the predicaments that we find ourselves in today. It seems that we're really in control of very little in our lives. Sometimes we're just being carried along by calamitous circumstances. And so in many ways we're like this blind man in John's Gospel here. He didn't ask for his calamitous situation. Being born blind, that was really something, really a hardship. I know it's a hardship today too, but it's got to be easier today than it was in his day. He didn't know his parents' faces. He couldn't see the beauty of the temple, the green grass in the springtime, the snow that might fall. He didn't know the, the
the sight of the blue sky and the puffy clouds that would skid across it silently. His world was a total world of darkness. But it was also a life of great loneliness. And he sits there on the road. He can hear people passing by, but he can't see their faces. He doesn't even know if they're looking at him, noticing him. He can hear their laughter. Maybe they're going to the market. Maybe they're going home. He doesn't have those luxuries. I imagine he had no wife, no children. It was a life of humiliation. Nobody would hire a blind man. He was unable really to work at anything and do anything. He was forced to beg for coins from people passing by in order to buy enough bread to eat, in order to buy the poor clothes that he wore. In fact, that's the only way that people seemed to know him. He was that blind man who, for as many years as they could count, had sat in the same place and begged coins from the same people as they passed by. And he was, of course, cursed by God. At least that's what the scribes and the Pharisees said, right? That was the teaching of the day. God had told Moses in expounding the first commandment that he was a jealous God visiting the sins of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. So of course, his blindness was a punishment, either for his own sin, that maybe he had somehow committed in the womb, or for the sins of his parents, or maybe even his grandparents. He was cursed. The sin was so bad that he was born blind. That was the prevailing sentiment. That's what the disciples thought. So as they walked by this beggar, they asked Jesus, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And it makes me wonder what they think Jesus is going to be able to tell them. Why are they asking Jesus whose sin it was? Do they think he knows? Maybe they do think that he knows. They're looking for some wisdom, for some enlightenment here. Who sinned that this calamitous situation would come on this poor man? And what does it say about how they viewed their condition and the condition of the Pharisees and the scribes? If this man was born blind because of sin, then his sin or his parents must have been a lot worse than their own. They must be doing all right in God's eyes if they're not cursed in some way. And so they've shown their own blindness in regards to sin. I say their blindness, but it's our blindness, right? We're all blind like that. Each of us are blind even to our own depth of sinfulness. We judge other people, but we judge them based on a set of standards that we make up. We say that others are wrong if they don't agree with me and how I think things are. We consider others to be judgmental if they believe that they are right and we are wrong in what we're doing. We call others naive 
if we think they don't know what we know. And this is the blindness that afflicts all of us. It, it afflicts the blind today and the sighted today. It afflicts, it, affl it afflicts the athletic person and the lame person. It afflicts the young and the old. When it comes to spiritual blindness, everybody is operating in the blind. And this is the blindness that Jesus has come to heal. And Jesus says a remarkable thing. He goes against the teaching of the day. He says that this man's blindness was not a result of a specific sin. Rather, the man was born blind for a specific purpose. That the works of God might be displayed in Jesus. Jesus says that this calamity has befallen this poor blind man so that God might display his wonderful works so that God might be glorified. So, really, this man has lived his life day after day, hour after hour in darkness, just so that the light of the world could come and heal him? This man all his life has been unable to see just so that the Son of God could come to him and touch him and give him sight? So God works in calamitous situations? And of course we'd say, yes, you'd better believe he does. And the greatest example is the perfect sinless Son of God, falsely arrested, falsely accused, illegally tried, condemned to death, even though they knew that he was innocent, cruelly beaten, body nailed to a piece of wood, raised up from the ground to hang there until he was dead. Guilty men killed the innocent Son of God. In the history of the world, there has never been anything so calamitous as that. And from that terrible, calamitous event, God has worked for you and for me, for the Gospel writer John, for the scribes and the Pharisees, for the disciples, for the blind man, for all who would put their trust in Jesus Christ. He has worked the greatest good the most wonderful outcome, the complete and utter washing away of all of our sins, the removal of our guilt, the undoing of the power of death itself for all who put their faith in him. And does this gospel lesson then today have application for the calamitous situations that we find ourselves in today? You and I are witnessing firsthand the consequence of the brokenness of our world. We have only to open our eyes and look around us to see it. Whether it's a deadly virus or a devastating earthquake in Turkey or a flood someplace or a difficult diagnosis or a severed relationship or the death of a loved one, all of these things serve to remind us that sin has entered our world, that sin is within us, that everything is affected by us, by it. And because of God's revelation to us in the Holy Scriptures, 
because of the working of the Holy Spirit, we see clearly with eyes of faith that all calamity is a call for us to remember that we are sinners living in a fallen world. All of the evils of this world are a call to repent, to turn from our sin, to ask God's forgiveness, both for our actions and for our inaction. And then they are opportunities for us to rejoice in the full and free forgiveness that God gives to us so willingly because Christ earned it for us at the cross. It's a call to live our lives for the one who gave us the new sight of faith, who brought us out of darkness and into the light of his grace. Paul David Hewson. I would wager that none of us know that name. Now, I might be wrong. Somebody might. Those who I think might know are shaking their heads no. So, okay. Maybe you're familiar at least with the name of the rock band, U2. <laughs> Paul David Hewson is the name of the lead singer and songwriter for the Irish band U2. And he goes by the name Bono. I guess that's how you'd say it. Bono? Bono. Thank you. See, somebody recognizes the name. After a long tour that Bono had in Dublin, uh, he returned to his home in Dublin, and there he, he attended a Christmas Eve service. And during that service, Bono says, he suddenly understood what the Christmas story was about. His blind eyes were opened. He recalls that with tears streaming down his face, he realized that if there is a loving God, he would seek to explain himself. But that he would choose to do it by becoming a child, born in poverty? He says, I just thought, wow, just the poetry. Love needs to find a form. Intimacy needs to be whispered. Love has to become an action or something concrete. It would have to happen. There must be an incarnation. Love must be made flesh. Bono became a Christian that day. By the mystery of that incarnation and God's only Son dying on the cross, we come to have eyes of faith. We come to see God as we never could have before. We come to see him face to face, full of sacrificial love. Bono's spiritual blindness was healed, and he's now a follower of Jesus. And our spiritual blindness has been healed as well. You and I were that beggar beside the road there, born blind, born in sin and in darkness, in the kingdom of Satan. But our spiritual blindness has been healed as well by the power of the Holy Spirit working through the word. You and I were that beggar by the side of the road, and Jesus came by and restored our sight so that we and he could look on his Savior, our Savior, and believe. And Jesus has done that 
for countless people through the ages. The calamitous situations that come into our lives turn our eyes to the cross, turn our eyes to the resurrected Jesus as well. And the calamitous situations that our neighbors find themselves in are calls for us to serve our fellow men, an opportunity for each one of us to show and demonstrate the love that God has filled our hearts with, filled them to overflowing so that they spill over in good works for Christ. When you go for a flight on an airplane, while you're still on the taxiway, the uh, folks that are helping out there, the attendants, they'll explain and they'll say, in the event of cabin depressurization, oxygen masks will fall from the ceiling. But they're also careful to say, be sure to put on your own mask before assisting someone else. And I would say today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that God has already put your mask on. In your baptism, God has marked you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. He has put his own name on you, marking you as his very own. He daily and richly forgives your sins and the sins of all believers as we recite in Luther's small catechism. You are washed clean. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Paul writes, At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Your salvation is sure. It was bought by the precious blood of God's very own Son. There's no end to God's everlasting love for you. He demonstrated that in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And even though you don't know what's coming, even though you can't see around the next corner, let alone the next month or year, your eternal future is known. Your eyes of faith can see it. This fallen, broken world is passing away, along with its momentary hardships and pain. But your eternity is one of everlasting joy and light. Your mask is on. It's time to assist someone else. The Christian life is not lived for ourselves. The Christian life is one that is overflowing with thankfulness, a life lived to the Lord, a life lived for our neighbor. We do not live in fear, not in fear for ourselves, things that can hurt the body, but instead we stand firm on the solid bedrock of our salvation by God's grace. And trusting our needs to the provision of our Heavenly Father, we are able to reach out in love and witness to other blind people Paul goes so far as to say in, our, in the second letter to the Christians in Corinth, so we do not lose heart. See, even though the calamitous situations come, the difficulties come, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. comparison so that we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. 
For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. By God's grace, we have received our sight. With eyes of faith, we now see the unseen, eternal things. That sight, the same sight that was given to the blind man who fell down and worshipped his Savior, that sight fixed on Jesus will see us through the calamitous situations that come without fear and in faith until the Lord says it's time and takes us home. In the name of Jesus, amen.